right. We're on camera. First, we might post this on YouTube. Thanks to our guest, Strict Mike. Everyone say what's up to Strict Mike. Michael Lowe. Um, our, this is our first official athlete interview. We had Rebecca, but she's like coach interview, right? So first official athlete of the gym interview. Boom. Look at you. Wow, I feel special. You are special. So <laughs> you're strict Mike, right? Um, so uh, a couple things really quick uh, about strict Mike. This is something I, I think can be really cool about this podcast is, you know, especially like some of our hardcore 5 a.m.ers or our hardcore 6.25 p.m.ers is like, is as a coach, I see them and I think of them all as like they all know each other, but some of you guys may have never seen Mike at the gym because he's pretty much here at 5 a.m. every single day. And that's pretty much when he can come and when he makes it. So anyways, it's a cool way we can introduce different members and maybe you see him at an event or on Saturdays or at a party or something like that and you get to know him a little bit. So that's going to be a cool thing about this. And um, just to get to know our members and uh, I also I saw a video Mike did. He's a defense attorney. And I've always been interested in the law and all sorts of different things as far as the criminal justice system. So I was like, that's cool. He's trying to do more videos and different stuff like that. So I wanted just to bring him in, get to know a little bit about his CrossFit story, get to know a little bit about his profession and what we can learn from that. Because who knows, I, I, I will take this podcast to crazy places possibly because I like to discuss different things. But first, uh, I guess I would say he's known as Strict Mike because he skips the kip. Which, in a lot of ways, I actually really, 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 really appreciate. Because there's way, way too many people that are like flying on the bars and trying to just do kipping before they're ready. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's the... No. What, what, why, how did you become strict Mike? Let's start with that. What made you become that? Um, well, I just... So I had already... I had a trainer before I ever joined a CrossFit gym. Uh, and I worked out at a place in Capella called The Core. And I was doing just basic HIIT training type stuff. And I'd always been curious about CrossFit. But I came from a place of like uh, pretty severe obesity. Uh, uh, give us the whole number. Give us the numbers game. Uh, so look at him if you see if you're seeing the video. So about ten years ago, I I stopped weighing myself at 245 pounds, and I continued to gain weight after that. So I probably was up to 250, 255. And how tall are you? I'm five foot nine. First thing in the morning, so okay. I'm <laughs> barely five foot nine. There we go. So that is that is obesity for sure. I mean, I, I was pretty heavy and. Um, so I started losing weight slowly through just changing my diet. I didn't exercise at all. I just changed my diet. And um, the way that I did that is kind of a long story. But basically, uh, to answer your question about the strict mic thing, uh, I had eventually lost enough to weight to where I could work out in the gym. And then I got a trainer and I continued to lose weight. And I worked out with a trainer for a few years 
but I'd always wanted to go to a CrossFit gym, but I'm a very um, skeptical person. I'm skeptical of other people, and uh, I had uh, seen all the criticisms of CrossFit online. Right. And um, one of the biggest criticisms that people had of CrossFit was that they, they did a lot of kipping. And also, I, what I perceive to be bouncing on the head and things like that, uh, from my outsider perspective, I thought um, those things were probably not good for the shoulders or the neck, not knowing really proper form or that the, a lot of the criticisms aren't really valid. So, uh, well, I was just stop you right there. I would say they're, they're very, they, they can be very valid. And there's a time and a place and a process to do it properly, right? And developing strict strength is actually one of the things that we should be chasing at the same time. Or, you know, if I can't hold certain positions, I shouldn't be like trying kipping handstand push-ups, for example. So I don't think you're off on that. I'm not disagreeing. I don't disagree with that. Go right. Ahead. Okay. Thank you. Well, yeah. I, well, I didn't, I didn't know anything about CrossFit. So all I knew is all these criticisms. Because like if you research CrossFit online... And you go to YouTube, all you're going to see is criticisms. I mean, yeah. you're really not going to learn very much about what CrossFit is about unless you step into a CrossFit gym. So for me, that's all I knew was all the criticisms. And so eventually, though, I did step into a CrossFit gym three years ago, and I started learning more about it. But I decided before I ever stepped in that I wasn't going to do any kipping, that I was just going to do everything strict. And um, that's just the way it's going to be. And if that means it takes me longer to finish the workout or whatever, I'm just going to do it that way. Right. And so um, I've just remained that way. And uh, I'm not that good at kipping either. So I, I mean, I have, I mean, I can do a muscle up, but it's not something I'm very good at. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely open to learning more about kipping. And yeah, but uh, for sure, I'm working on him because he's got the strict strength because he's been doing it. Murph with all strict pull-ups and lots of strict things. So he has that capacity for sure now um, to build, to be feel a little bit, feel more confident. And he's lost the weight to where he can feel confident doing those things. And I, I don't think your path is, is wrong at all. I know it's a fun thing and we give you grief a little bit about it, but I, I, you know, you're, you're an anomaly. And that's one thing I love about you, Mike, is like you, you walk to the beat of your own drum, man. And that's kind of, you're just like, everyone else is doing this. I'm going to do my thing over here. And I really love that. And I think probably a lot of us, it's a hard thing as a coach because people want skills and you want to get them in like excited and like growing and all these sorts of things. But a lot of CrossFit gyms and a lot of play, we would all be better served and better serve our athletes if we slow down that process and actually develop more strict strength or focus on losing weight before we're doing a ton of kipping or just having a mind, just having a thought thoughtfulness about it versus just get, start swinging on the bar and go for it. Right. Right. And so like, I totally, I totally um, respect that, but I'm still going to get you kipping to some degree because I think you'll enjoy it at some point now that you have that underlying base. So, um, and we kind of talked about that with intensity and everything else. So, right. Um, to kind of go back into the stuff we skipped over, because I think this is really important, two things I want to talk about. First, is because you said you did nutrition first, but before even that, because I think this could be helpful for people that are listening, um, our dozens and dozens, hopefully we can get to <laughs> 20s and 20s and 30s and 30s, but what was the switch? What made you wake up one day and say, 
no more and and undertake this and like just be like uh just change make the change make the decision to change to be like no more i'm not doing this Okay, so I have uh, two boys, 14 and 10. Okay, cool. And uh, my son's names are Karsten and Stefan. And Stefan was born um, a little over 10 years ago. And uh, when my wife was pregnant, um, I was pretty miserable uh, myself. I mean, I was very obese. Um, I, I can remember times when I was at the courthouse trying to go up the escalators, because the escalators are always broken at the courthouse. And I remember multiple times where I would trip just walking up the escalators, you know, like an elderly person. And um, it was embarrassing, you know, because at the time I was probably, I guess, 37 years old, you know, and there's just no reason to be that unstable on my feet. Um, and so I was pretty embarrassed by that. And, um, and I also felt the need to be a father for my children and be a good father. Um, so um, I started thinking about ways of losing weight, but um, the, the way I had lost weight in the past was, you know, just hit the gym harder. And then, you know, the weight would come off temporarily, but my diet never changed. Yeah. And so um, I would have these yo-yo kind of ups and downs, you know, for many years. And um, so um, I was driving to the courthouse one day uh, in McKinney and I heard a, a radio interview on Bloomberg Radio. There was a, a guy being interviewed who's a science writer. At the time, he was a science writer for the New York Times. His name is Gary Tobbs. Oh, yeah. And uh, Good I didn't, calories, bad calories. I didn't know who calories. Gary Tobbs was. You know, I, I'd never heard this guy before. And I'm married to a doctor. And, you know, uh, you know doctors, they've, they've got a hard job. Uh, and one thing I think people think that doctors know about um, and want them to know about his nutrition. But unfortunately, being married to a doctor and knowing a lot of doctors, it's true that doctors don't know anything about nutrition. Um, they're not trained on nutrition in, in medical school. Um, or if they do receive training, it's very minimal uh, training. And it's not updated, and uh, they receive very little CME on nutrition. So um, I was not getting any... I'd never heard anything like Gary Topps before. When I heard him speak about... Um, uh, it's crazy. Heart, it's out there. It's totally different than everything you've ever heard. Yeah, totally different um, ideas about heart health, about saturated fat, about protein, about red meat, about uh, dairy, um, all new things about carbohydrate uh, restriction and sugar restriction. Uh, he was talking about uh, human physiology, the insulin response, diabetes chronic disease. I mean, all these things that I had never uh, heard about before. And so when I heard that interview, I, I said, well, I've, I've got to buy this guy's book. And I know the first book he wrote was Good Calories, Bad Calories. And at that time, he had just released a book, a different book um, called Why We Get Fat. And it was mainly focused on science and also human physiology. And so I tell people uh, that book why We Get Fat is like a weight loss book for nerds. So if you want to know why you get fat at a you know, physiological level, that book can answer your question. And it's not a diet book, so it doesn't give you a diet to follow. 
Um, but once once I was done reading the book, I knew exactly what I needed to do. Yeah, that's cool. I read. I actually read Good Calories, Bad Calories. That seems that's more like a textbook, right? Which is really, I mean, it's eye opening and crazy, but it's like a textbook. It's a hard, it's it's a it's a challenging read. I mean, very valuable things in there. So I'm interested. I, that'll that'll be up to something I read, as I never read his that that second book is how we get fat. Um, because I would be interested to see like, it sounds like it's a little bit more relatable to someone to to understand maybe or. Right. Just like, like you said, like a... Well, the, the other thing that about that book that really um, lit my mind up was uh, anthropology uh, oh, and, okay. and human evolution. Yep. And um, that's something that I, I'm sort of interested in. And I love science. And, um, and in that book, Gary Taubes had photographs of what bananas looked like 100 years ago. Right. Right. And what corn looked like when Native Americans were harvesting corn in, in America. And, um, and then also photographs of what Native Americans looked like, their bodies, what they looked like, photographs of how tall and strong and lean they were before the Western diet arrived in America. And when I saw those things, it really just set me off on a path of pursuing more and more information about what were earlier human civilizations like what did they eat like because you know i think evolution matters and um so that that uh really guided my thought on right. what i should be eating for sure and so what is what is your current diet i know i kind of know but explain it and this is it well we we have to say this first is this isn't diet this is one man's anecdotal evidence he's done it to lose what do you weigh now um, probably 167. So he's lost almost like 90 pounds to 90 to 100 pounds. Right. I mean, at my, like I, I run too. And so if I'm training for a race before the race, I I'll probably be down to like 156, 157, okay. somewhere in that range. Uh, so the total weight I've lost top to bottom is about a hundred. Okay, cool. So what, what do you, what is your diet? Um, okay, so my current diet that I've been eating for a little over two years is some people call it the carnivore diet. Um, it's basically I just eat meat. I eat red meat, I eat uh, salmon, and I eat eggs. Um, and that's it. So uh, it's not a religious thing for me. It's not like veganism or something. So I mean, I it's the opposite of it's, anti-veganism. Well, it, yeah, that's it, but it's not. It's not like a belief system or anything I got you, that I have. I got you. It's um, so I do it's occasionally. Like occasionally, I'll have nuts. You know, like if if I need a lot of extra calories, if I'm doing two workouts in a day, like I come here at five a.m. and then I have to go run ten miles at one p.m., then I'm going to need extra calories that day. And sometimes it's hard to get enough uh, calories just in the form of red meat. Uh, to keep my body in, you know, where it needs to be. So occasionally I'll have some walnuts or something else. So, but uh, I would say like 99% of what I eat are animal products only. Uh, but I mean, my diet hasn't been like that um, consistently over the last 10 years. And I definitely didn't foresee myself evolving into a diet like that. That wasn't my plan. Right. Um, was How difficult is that? I mean, in some ways, it, it's simple because I just get these things and I eat it. Right. Was it difficult to adopt as far as trying it? Like, 
did you crave other? Th- I mean, obviously, the, we all crave the carbs or the sugars when we were getting off of those for the first time. But was it was it difficult, or did it was it kind of simple? Okay, when you say di- like when you ask difficult, do you mean like difficult in terms of maintaining a certain level of get, calories per day, do you, or do you get tired of it? Like bored? Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think I mean I think steak is delicious, yeah. and it's always delicious. Well, and, yeah, and I think that's a good point. Is so many things in our lives are habitual. It's habits, right? If you used if you're used to eating sugar and bread and all of these things all the time like it seems impossible that you can't not have it but if you build a habit you don't even think about it it's just like it's just like choosing to do fitness and show up every day at 5 a.m it's not even a question in your mind it's just what you do right and i think that's that's kind of one one thing i've heard before it's a terry cruz podcast on um tim ferris terry cruz on tim ferris's podcast one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. But he talks about, you know, flipping the way most people look at look at goals or lives or habits, and they and they, you know, they like they want to have this thing, whatever it is. I want to have I want to have a body that's a hundred pounds less, or I want to have this goal or whatever. And they think I have to do these things, and then once I do those things, I will be that person or I will be that. And they talk about flipping the switch, and that's kind of why I was asking your question of like, what made it happen for you? Is I think this is a really valuable tool for folks is to flip that switch and think, be that person. You're already the same Mike that you were when you were 100 pounds overweight, but you made a decision where you were, I'm, this is who I am. I take ownership. What am I? What are the people that do the the things that that I want do? So that I'm just that person. I get up at 5 a.m. and I work out. Yeah. I change my diet and I make drastic changes. I be that. I already am that person that's going to be there. And you be it first. Then you do that things that those persons that that person does, and then you have what that person has. And so it's just an interesting way. I found that as like a beneficial way to help people like when you're trying to overcome this like big weight loss or fitness thing is. Reset that thing instead of, I want to have this, I've got to do this, and then I'll be that. No, be the person now and ask yourself, what does that person do? Do those things, and then you will have what you want. Okay, so, anyways, so I, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, here we go. I'm going to disagree because I'm a lawyer and I like to disagree. There we go. This is this is fun. All right, so um, I, I think diet and exercise in terms of habit formation are different. And um, the reason why they're different is because the with with diet. uh, Well, let's just start with exercise with exercise. What you're talking about mainly is discipline. And um, and and I think with diet, one of the things that bothers me, like on almost an emotional level is, you know, obese people are not weak willed people. They're not people with. They're not undisciplined people. Right. When I was 100 pounds heavier, I was still very disciplined at work. I was a very good lawyer, doing a great job, you know, doing all the other things that I was supposed to be doing in my life. Right. I wasn't lazy, you know. And I'm not saying you said that or anything. Yeah, but, for sure. But now, this is a good perspective because I've never been 100 pounds overweight. Right. So I can come up with these ideas that maybe sound like they're motivating to me. 
Right. But I haven't been through that path. So, like, this is exactly why. So Go, with, give, give your thoughts. So with food, it's a two-way street. So the types of foods that you eat will dictate how hungry you will be later in the day. So um, it's not a simple matter of just mind over food and controlling controlling it how much you eat i mean obviously you know calories matter i mean you can't deny that i mean if you eat more calories than you burn then you're going to gain weight i mean that's it's a fact okay and uh but it is one of the things that i think is really annoying about most dietary advice is that uh the so-called experts will tell people just eat less and move more and it, I always say when it's people... Igno- it's ignoring the hormonal responses right. to certain foods. Correct. And I totally agree with that. But the other thing that I want to point out, just from a logical fallacy point of view, when people say eat less, move more, or go into a caloric restriction, that's the answer to losing weight, that would be the equivalent of you taking your money to a stockbroker and asking the stockbroker... What is your strategy for making money? And the stockbroker says, well, my strategy is that I buy low and I sell high. Yeah. It's the same thing. Right. All you're doing is describing an outcome. That's it. You're not describing how to get to that outcome. And so when it comes to food, I do think hormonal response is really important in terms of satiety. And satiety is the name of the game when it comes to nutrition, in terms of caloric restriction, and, uh, and I don't believe satiety should be artificially manipulated. I think uh, satiety can be controlled with natural, healthy foods. And, um, you know, there are certain foods that are very satisfying. Um, certain macronutrients that are extremely satisfying if they're consumed in, the, in a whole food manner. And um, so when somebody's satisfied, they don't want to eat. Right. And if they don't want to eat, then they're going to lose weight. You know, it's that simple. So um, I think that is kind of the two-way street. It's not just a discipline thing over food. It's I agree. selecting it, the right food so I, that you don't have these cravings. For sure. And I think that's a good point is like, you're very educated. You're married to a doctor. And it's still the, informa- the lack of information to understand these things took a while for you to get there. Right. If you're less educated or you don't have some of those resources, it's even harder because if you just see that's that's the common answer and that's there's like there's so many things we can get into with how we treat symptoms versus underlying causes or how we deal with certain things like that. Um, to dovetail on your point, one thing I always talk about is is the Lay's potato chips um, mantra or their their tagline. You can't eat just one. <laughs> you know what? They're right. Because they make those things as addictive as... They, they do test and make them as addictive as possible. But more so than that, when you eat one, because of what happens to your hormones and your insulin levels and your insulin spikes, you can just keep eating them. One thing I always tell... Because when I work with people on nutrition, we drive... We eat a lot of protein. More protein than I ever used to. Right. Even though we don't go full carnivore. I mean, I'm not totally against some of those things or more keto carnivore type diet but i want to take someone 
a step at a time, right? And so one of the things I tell them is like, take your favorite protein in the world, whatever it is, steak, eggs, salmon, chicken, whatever. I can have the best chef in the world make it for you in all the different ways without adding different things, like a ton of different things to it, but make it all these different ways. And at some point I will put it in front of you and it will make you want to vomit to take another bite. bite. Right. You can like, I cannot eat anymore. Right. I do not want anymore. I can't think about eating anything. Now you take, take that same example with your favorite carb cake or sweet cake type thing. And you can just keep eating. And come back 10 minutes later and keep eating. And come back 10 minutes later and keep eating. And I think that's kind of like what you're talking, or, you know, we're on the same page there as far as it's even things we think are not as bad or healthy can still lead us down that path of just going back for another bite, going back for another bite, going back for another bite. Because you never get that um, feeling of being full. Right. I mean, I personally believe that it's unnatural to eat you know, six, seven, eight meals a day. I, I think that's not the way humans evolved. Right. Um, humans probably a million years ago. I mean, you know, the Homo genus has been around at least 2.8 million years. So, I mean, that, that anthropologists know about. So, you know, we're not that different from Homo erectus. Right. You know, and Homo erectus went back about 2 million years. So, in fact, Homo erectus had larger brains than we do. So... You know, I mean, we have to look and think about where did they live? What sort of environment did they live in? You know, was there bananas available everywhere in February? No, I mean, it just wasn't like that. So they primarily ate meat. That's Mm -hmm. what they ate. Uh, And there's a lot of science to back that up. And and so it's also why I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting. Right. It's a natural way. It's and that's that's just going back to that's creating metabolic flexibility. Right. right. My body gets really good at like, I have a superfluous amount of whatever. I can deal with it. And then I go, I don't have any food for a while. I know how to go right back to switching to burning my own body fat stores. Right. If you do that, you know, we're in a place where just constant supply of. But you're also a performance coach too. Right. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now is fat loss. For sure. For sure. That's totally different if you're talking about. I want to perform. I want to be at my peak as an athlete. You're going to need to eat. You have to eat some a, carbs. A significant you know? amount of carbohydrates. Um, you know, I was just talking to someone about that this morning. Is at some point when we get to the the weight you want to be at, there's a time where we're probably going to like bump up some of these things so we can perform better right. and like to build to be leaner. You need some of those things. You yeah, need some of those things like. Bodybuilders eat a good amount of carbs. You have to have that to grow muscle. So, okay, but there are always anomalies, right? Yeah, for sure. There's vegans that play you in know, the NFL. You it, know? it is possible to do highly glycolytic activity without carbs. You can do that right? if you train yourself to do that. I mean, I your liver can produce glucose. Right. It's called gluconeogenesis. Yeah, I mean, we exactly. can, from, from protein and fat. So, and, you know, like, there are people who are top-level athletes who who do glycolytic things that don't eat very many carbs. Right. You know, it's possible, but like you said, it is easier to consume some carbs uh, to restore the glycogen faster. Yeah. I'm not saying that there can't be 
that you can't train or your your the body's amazing. You can adapt to so many different things. And that you can't perform to some level. I would say if you're trying to be a peak performer, you're gonna have to add more carbohydrates. And all the and all the and if you're a peak performer, your volume sport? your volume of training. Right. And some of the things that you're doing. I mean, like CrossFit for example. If you're coming in here training like Rebecca is for like four hours a day like you have you, you, you need the carbohydrates you need some level of right fuel to, to deal with that output like, um, but if you're an endurance runner maybe you don't need the carbohydrates I mean you know the arguably the the, the best endurance runner in the world right now is basically eating a carb a, a, a carnivore diet right and uh, so, you know, if, if, if your goal is to run 100 miles, you want to be able to access the fat stores on your body and use that for energy, and you have to be really efficient at that. Yeah. And um, so I think it does depend on the sport, too. Right. And, but, you know, that's, I don't just totally disagree with that because um, there's not, when you're, there's not the need to restore glycogen in the same way when you're an endurance athlete. Um, how, but it's interesting that's the exact opposite of what every endurance athlete was told their entire life. Right. It's go have a big bowl of pasta before your race or right. as if that, like you needed that glycogen, like the amount of pasta that you're eating and the amount, you're like getting way more the, to overflow all of the glycogen that your muscles need, especially as an endurance athlete. Right. The, do the doctor who wrote the original book. I think in the 60s, uh, Dr. Noakes from South Africa uh, on uh, carbo loading for runners um, has come around and now he's a low carb uh, advocate. And he said, tear that chapter out of my book. Yeah. You know, it's it's no longer good science. And for and, and you know, there there's been a lot of studies. There's a, a study called the faster study. Um, Volokh and Finney did a study on endurance athletes who are adapted to uh, using fat for energy, and it's possible, uh, they've proven it in a lab, that, I mean, it's possible to adapt your body to be better at burning fat in endurance sports. Mm -hmm. And there's an advantage to doing that. Uh, I mean, one of the problems I see with runners is that they still, you know, tend to rely on the gels uh -huh. and, the, and the carbs, and that can stunt the body's ability to access fat because the more you raise your insulin, right. uh, the less able your body is to access fat and use it for energy. I think, I think that's a really great point. And a side point to that is this is something you develop, right? You don't go like, I'm used to running half a marathon or 13 miles, whatever, and I'm on this certain diet and then one day I try it totally different, all meat, all, you know, no carbs. Right. That's not how you do this. So it's just a, it's an important thing is like, if you decide to self-experiment or do some of these things, or we can, well, I'll put some links in the bio on this or in the, the show notes of just some different things that we're talking about or where you can go read more. But it's a really, really, really important that you take your time and you like gradually step into these things as opposed right. to like, I'm running a marathon, I run a marathon every Saturday or whatever it is, and I'm just gonna try it this time without, and you usually have like five gel packs along the way. Right. Right, that's a really important thing because 
And that kind of goes back to like everything we do here is you don't let your body adapt. Give it a little bit of a stimulus, change it up a little bit, and it gradually will adapt. If you try to do it one time, and it, you're going to probably, hopefully not hurt yourself, but it's going to feel terrible, and you're going to be like, well, that didn't work. Well, you're, you're not used to it. You haven't let your body, you haven't pro, um, created a progressive uh, stimulus or adaptation that lets your body adjust. And so all good stuff. I think that's all really good, thoughtful stuff, stuff to try. I think, I do think, um, I agree with a lot of the evolutionary kind of biology you kind of, re you kind of reach back into and, and all sorts of things. But I also think there's a lot of ways to skin a cat and that doesn't mean like having necessarily cherry picking. We all need the same things to some degrees, but I do believe that some people respond a little bit better to a very low carb or carnivore diet. Some right. people might be, they can have a little bit more carbs and they don't necessarily, they can't stomach certain things as well and they can be successful um, in other ways. I'm not an all or nothing. I definitely am leaning way more for anyone I work with who's trying to lose weight or anyone I'm working with, like that's their primary goal. Right. I'm way more reduce, restrict the carbohydrates, get those under control because there's frankly most people don't realize and they're like eating 300 carbs a day or more right just because it's everywhere and you don't realize it but gaining some awareness in that but um you know we all have we're all a little bit different we all have a little bit different reactions we're all the same in some ways um but that that would be my only my only not disagreement but my only pushback a little bit is um, if full carnivore isn't right for you, like a high protein, low carb can still be really, really good. Well, I agree. And I mean, I wasn't always like this. I mean, I've only been eating this way for a little over two years. And yeah. I mean, before that I was eating basically what you described. I mean, I ate lots of vegetables and things, mm -hmm. but I mean, the, the problem for me was that when I started working out in a CrossFit gym, lifting heavy weights, I was protein deficient. I mean, I was like falling asleep in the afternoon. I couldn't yeah. keep up with the workouts cause it was just too heavy and I wasn't eating enough protein. And there's only so many calories you can consume in a day. And so I had to focus in more on protein. Yep. And you also said you like it because you can just eat a lot and then work and not have to worry about it. Right. Anything. I just eat once a day. I eat in the morning. And after I'm done eating, I don't eat for the rest of the day. And So you're intermittent fasting as well, basically. Well, yeah, sort kind of, of. But I mean, it's I'm just not hungry. And I don't, I do that probably five days a week, but I mean, on the weekends I'll, right. you know, have two or three meals a day or have an extra meal or something. You know, I don't think that it needs to be that rigid, you know. Right, for sure. Yeah, I think that's all of, whatever you decide to do or wherever direction you decide to take is like build sustainable habits. Nutrition to me is like a bank account. If I make little deposits most of the time, right, and I take, you know, I have a withdrawal every now and then, it's not that big a deal. Well, most of us fool ourselves and we lie to ourselves. We have one deposit and then we're like, oh, spend it, you know, we, we go crazy with the withdrawals or, you know, one cheat day turns into like, all of a sudden turns into like the whole weekend, all of a sudden turns into like Thursday through Monday and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, um, being honest and um, I guess just yeah 
that's 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 a big thing on that for me. I mean, I think the best diet is whatever allows you to easily restrict your calories to the to the extent you want to. Right. And then you can be consistent that, with right. The, whatever diet that is. I mean, it doesn't have right. to be carnivore. It could be anything, as long as it's a healthy diet, and you can easily live with it, restricting your calories to what it should be. Uh, to lose fat and if you're unable to do that then you have to change your diet to something because it it really should not be that hard once you find the right diet it eventually will become very easy to maintain the diet if you're if you're eating the right diet right agreed all right we're gonna we're gonna shift focus a little bit i like this i like that we drove it we dove into nutrition um but training because you asked me about this the other day because you got you're like oh i want to talk to you about this is Knees over toes guy. Yes. Or athletic... Uh, the hottest thing on the internet group. right now. Oh, is it? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm an early adopter. I've been doing it since August, so... You're... I mean, you're way ahead of most people. <laughs> he is growing. I've seen a lot of his stuff. I mean, I obviously... I am a paid um, subscriber to his stuff, so... So which, which one are you doing? He's got like different programs. I've been doing uh, knee uh, zero ability, which is basically no weight for a while now. I'm probably going to change that up. Um, I started doing it in August, like I said, and then I kind of, I, I still follow his page and his, all of his stuff on YouTube. And so I've kind of added in some of the like weighting, some of the movements that we've done that I, at first I just started with nothing. And why did you decide that you wanted to start doing that? Um, because my knees felt like shit. Um, I was waking up at night with uh, knee pain. Um, I, I had a knee injury in February of 2020. I had gone to an orthopedic right before COVID hit and basically all the hospitals were shut down. And he said, I had a meniscus tear. I had good MRI. He's like, I can fix that, but I don't think know if that'll fix your pain. You have like arthritic knees, and gave me the whole spiel of what doctors do, pretty right. much of do less, avoid knee replacements, um, you know that sort of thing. So um, I just, that's a whole other topic that this leads to. <laughs> what we kind of talked about before with nutrition is there's a I think there's a problem in a lot of ways of in certain parts of medicine of um, treating the symptom instead of the underlying cause. Right. But um, so anyways, like I was going to get a second opinion. We rolled March happened and then it was like, well, I can't really go see a doctor. Can't go to a hospital. You know, there was pretty all anything like that you couldn't do. And so uh, I just started trying to do stuff on my own, doing basic PT rehab stuff and then I found his stuff and started it in August and seen quite a bit of a huge amount of difference so and what's the underlying principle in knees over toes guy what's he trying to accomplish um, I think it's restorative knee function and knee ability um, so just kind of like that idea of we treat the symptom don't do this don't squat you know that your knees hurt don't squat that's bad for your knees um those sorts of sorts of ideas it kind of fights against those things and or is in opposition to those things and saying no we need to get back that range of motion 
We need to like find movements, strengthening upstream and downstream of the joint and find ways to um, create a stronger joint. And so that thing, that, that is moving the joint. Movement is medicine. I preach that all the time. Absolutely. Even if it's like, this is all you can do. If I'm on video, I'm barely pulling up my knee. Whatever it is pain-free, that's where you start. And you build to it. And I think that's one cool thing that he does is he's got all these tricks that he shows on his videos. Right. But in his stuff, like if you're a paid subscriber or on his stuff, it's always like, you do this movement to no pain. And then you try to grow that movement. You do it three times a week. Um, my, my only, well, I have no really issues with that. This is my own personal issues was um, I started, it's three times a week. And I was doing that with also doing a lot of, like it's a lot of volume on your knee. Like it's stressing your knee. Yeah. And then doing other CrossFit stuff. And I kind of had to pull back and take a little break because it was just like, it was a lot, right? Um, to do that and balance, and you know, I'm, I'm hard headed. So I still want to like do heavy cleans or do other stuff that I should probably. Were there like any out. movements you had never done before that you think are effective or new ideas that maybe you yeah, could incorporate? Yeah, I mean, I would say mostly it's just like, it is certain things about the squat. Yes, we want to sit back in our hips. We want to load the hips when we squat. We want our knees tracking with our toes. But, you know, that idea of, like, knees always being over the toes was bad. Right. And it's not necessarily bad if you do it in the right way. If you are trying to load a really heavy squat and you're coming up on your toes and moving, like, looking terrible, like, there's certain times where it's bad. But me practicing the ability... Like, if I play any sport, if I cut, if I transition, if I go try to play with blitz and run with them, my knees are shifting and coming over my toes. Right. So I need to train that. And I can do that with body weight. I can do that with nothing. But it's been, or, you know, get to the, like, it's a practice just like anything else. And um, kind of something that is counterintuitive to what you're supposed to do if your knee hurts. And, right. And um, so that's one thing that I've loved about him. It's very different than most PT stuff you see. And um, it, it, it's been, I've seen the, the testimonials and I can just tell you like, I was waking up with knees, my knees hurting with the training that I do. So your knees and, better or? Oh, they're way better. I still have some pain. I mean, my right knee, I'm still dealing with some stuff, but I can post, I'll post a video of me doing some of the exercises for the first time okay. and how I can do them now. And it's Are you doing crazy. the, uh, the Poliquin, uh, step up where you're stepping down? Oh, off of a, yes. Yes. Are you because doing, of the Patrick step? The Patrick step. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, are you doing the ATG lunge? Yes. The ATG split squat. Split yes, squat. I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about Jefferson curls? Have you tried that? I've done those before, but I'm not doing those actively with the other stuff that I'm doing. Right. Yeah, I've done those before. Or I've seen him and I've practiced, played around with him a little bit, but it, that's not like part of the protocol that I'm following right. every week. I'm not really on any of the programs that, I mean, I just binge watched his entire channel. Yeah, he, yeah. he basically gives all the info, information away for free, except for right. like the actual program. Right. And I mean, as a like run, runner hobbyist like myself, 
there's a lot of stuff there for runners, you right. know, and that's one of the things that I think runners don't do is they don't do proper gym work, you know, they're just running, that's it, right. you know, and I'm trying to get better at running, that's what I want to do. Right. Well, I would say for sure, like he puts out a ton of free info and it's awesome. Go there, check him out, Knees Over Toes Guy, Athletic Truth Group, atgonline.com, I think is what it is. Um, if you have knee issues, I'll preach it all day. Here's how I feel about it. I started in August on the paid programming. I've been doing pretty much the same thing. I did all the videos. Like, you send them videos. They're very responsive. But after a while, I was like, I'm a coach. I know what I'm doing. I kind of, you know, I followed his stuff online, added some weights and different stuff. I'm about to touch back base with him. But it was so beneficial to me and how I felt that I've continued to pay from August to now. Wow. Even though it's the same, I could just stop and do the same thing. But to me, it's been that value, like I'm that thankful for it and that like I'm happy to pay the guy. Like he's a coach, he's doing something awesome. Um, like I said, I'm about to change it up and uh, kind of reach back out and change the program up a little bit. But that's just, Hundred percent the truth. Like that's, that's an awesome endorsement. Yeah. So, <laughs> knees over toes, guy. Sponsor the Bolt Pod. We're here for you. But I'll post. I'll I'll do an Instagram post of the videos because it is kind of crazy, and it it's crazy because it looks like I'm not trying on the early ones, and I'm like, no. When I went that far, my knee hurt, and then you see where my knee can go now. Yeah. It wasn't. Like, I could have gone further. Like, if I would have gone any further, my knee, I would have felt pain. So that's kind of, that's a cool thing. But um, highly recommend it. Any other questions on that? No, that's it. I, I told you as a condition of you interviewing me, I wanted to ask you a yeah, question. Yeah, no, you were like. That was the thing I wanted to ask you about. We need to interview Matt. So <laughs> um, really quick, I, I think this has been a good length. Um, but I do want to just get into a little bit about what you do. And maybe ask you a couple questions about that. So just give us a brief little, your profession, who are you, your wife, your, like give us just a little brief rundown of Mike Lowe. Okay, so uh, I'm, I'm married, I've got two kids, uh, two boys, I live in Capel, and you know, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, I've been a lawyer for 21 years, I'm board certified in criminal law. That's all I do is defend federal and state criminal investigations and criminal cases and criminal trials. Um, I used to be a prosecutor in Dallas County, uh, but I've been a defense lawyer longer than I was a prosecutor. But as a prosecutor, I tried over 150 jury trials in Dallas County. Uh, I've tried a lot of trials. I had a lot of jury trials. Um, I, I'm very experienced in federal court as well. Uh, I do a lot of... Um, you know, drug conspiracy cases in the Northern District and the Eastern District case uh, in the Eastern District. I don't do a lot of violent crime. Um, I do a lot of family violence cases, though. I guess that's violent crime, but I don't do a lot of other violent crime cases, uh, primarily because, you know, I don't do court appointments anymore. So uh, most of those folks can't cannot afford to hire me, and they end up with a court-appointed lawyer. So, uh, but I love what I do. It's a really fun job, and... Uh, it's been a little bit less fun in the last year because the best part of my job is going to the courthouse and talking to judges and other, you know, prosecutors and defense lawyers. And, you know, I can't really do that now. Uh, so the social aspect of my job has been impacted just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, so I really miss that. And I hope, 
you know, I hope we can be back at the courthouse more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you have questions, I mean, yeah. I, so one one thing I want to ask is like, how do you feel that your fitness and weight loss journey has helped you be a better attorney? Maybe it hasn't. I think it has. But yeah, I think I think everything's interconnected. Right? Yeah, mind, body, soul, emotion, yeah. our emotional states. I totally think it has. So uh, yeah, go go there. And I mean, I think working out at five a.m. is the best. I mean, I, I'm in a, I'm a morning person, so I love getting up early, and you know, I'm just programmed that way. And uh, just killing myself in the gym in the morning, knowing that when I leave the gym. The hardest, worst possible thing that could ever happen to me today has already happened. Boom. I just know that 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 it's over. You and, overcame it. Yeah, and and nothing else is going to be that hard for the rest of the day, and and so it it I I exude kind of a quiet confidence. I know when I'm around other people, and and I have to face very stressful situations, uh, situations where, you know, my client could be locked up for the rest of their life. Uh, and I have to make really important decisions or help my clients make important decisions and, and do it in a calm, logical, you know, right. easy manner. Uh, and that can be difficult to do sometimes. Yeah. So it almost, you, you think it kind of, it, it evens you out a little bit. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's something that, that I think, you know, I tell people this all the time is like, Sure, there's a confidence in feeling good about yourself when you feel good or look the way you want to look. But there's also the, I do this as much for my mind as I do my body, right? Right. Is that, that feeling, whether it's the confidence of I can, I over, I pushed through this thing and overcame this. And um, just that sense of uh, accomplishment gives you confidence in other things. And maybe in your case, a... Um, an ability to 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 keep a, an even mind right. in a in a in a stressful environment because you just went through a way more stressful environment right. in the moment of a workout. No, I totally agree, and I think that the it's a lot like knees over toes guy because a lot of what he talks about is not rehab but prehab. So mm-hmm. preparing your body for the stressful event, mm-hmm. and. It's the same thing. So we're preparing our minds for a very stressful event later in the day or later in the week. And the best way to do that is to go through this process of, you know, you know, really suffering and giving everything you can, uh, doing the best you can in the gym and doing it on a regular basis. It really does prepare the mind for these stressful events. And, and you know, I don't want to be like a downer, but I mean, I will say this. Um, just so people can have a grasp of how stressful uh, this job can be. Um, you know, I've had three or four close friends, not close, well, two close friends um, and probably four or five people I've just known who were either prosecutors or criminal defense lawyers in the Dallas area who have committed suicide. Oh, wow. And um, this is a, a, a problem that has been going on for a long time and um, it's very sad uh, and you know the, the circumstances are always different you know it's not there's not one reason why somebody might commit suicide and, and I don't you know it's really frustrating having been close to that those situations 
um, you know, where, where people will gossip at, at the courthouse and talk about, you know, why did somebody commit suicide? What was their reason? Well, there's not a reason, you know, yeah. I mean, it's an irrational, it's an irrational decision. Uh, decision. Um, but uh, in almost every case that person committed suicide, there was an acute event, acute stressful event that took place right before they committed suicide. And um, those, you know, those events, uh, maybe I haven't experienced that level of stress myself, so I can't possibly know what that person was going through at that time. But similar events have happened uh, to many criminal lawyers at the courthouse and judges and prosecutors. And um, sometimes they can happen on a regular basis, these very stressful personal events. And uh, being ready for that is important. And I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not saying my job is the only stressful job. I mean, lots of people have stressful jobs, right, especially sure. this last year. You know, everybody's oh, been yeah. through a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, there's lots of different ways to deal with stress. You know, some people deal with it, you know, drugs and alcohol, sex. You know, there are other ways that people deal with it. And, you know, if, if working out is my way of dealing with it, then, yeah. then I We want to be your healthy a, addiction. I said this one time. This is, I gotta, I gotta implement this more at Bolt, because I want this to be like the health casino, where you just show up and you can't leave because it's so enticing. Like right. the way you feel when you're when you're around the other people, or the way you feel when you finish the workouts is just like I gotta keep coming for that 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 little healthy addiction. So um, I'll try to find some ways. I don't know. Maybe I'll just I'll, I'll find some some something that will just go. You know, bing, 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 and everyone gets something when, <laughs> randomly. If you showed up on a random day, if you just happen to show up on that day at that class time, you get something cool. But yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. That's 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 um, that's an awesome point, and especially with the year we've been through. And yes, we need to protect physical health, but we need to really be mindful of mental health. And sometimes we can be seen as gym rats or muscle heads or whatever but i know the culture at bolt and i think this is as much about our mental and social health as it is our physical health and that's really cool and i'm proud of that so i totally agree i mean i i mean i have a lot of fun in the morning i I try to have fun yeah and if you don't know mike is one of blitz's best friends so Mike's warm-up usually consists of everyone looking kind of groggy and him running around the, the gym with Blitz in the morning. So Blitz is always happy to show up uh, and see Mike on Monday morning. Yeah, Blitz is my warm-up. Yeah, Blitz is your warm-up. Um, one last question about your profession. Um, what would you... Uh, if you had to answer the most... Or what question... This is a, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this question here. What is the thing that you want most people to understand or know about defense attorneys that they might not know? Or that kind of part of the system? Or um, if that makes sense. Okay. Makes sense? It's just like, what is a misconception that you feel is out there that you kind of want people to know about what you do or um, that part of, 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 of the criminal justice system? So um, I guess the, the way this came up between Matt and myself is Matt sent me a podcast of um, basically 
a reporter who was interviewing a prosecutor about his job at the state courthouse in Ohio. I think it was in Cleveland. And it was a, basically a sort of a, a specialized prosecutor who just prosecuted high-level violent crimes. Um, and basically the whole podcast was from the perspective of the prosecutor. And um, the, the thing that, you know, I thought it was informative, you know, but the thing that was not accurate about that particular podcast and the thing that I wanted to, to kind of make clear or, you know, the, the misconception I think people have is that the criminal justice system isn't really a fairness system. So it's not a system that's designed for, um, you know, for each party to be fair. Uh, it's, it's an ad, adversarial system. So each party has a job that they need to do. And if they do their job, then hopefully the closest thing to fairness will result from that. But it's basically like a competition. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a fight that takes place. And, you know, the result of that fight is supposed to be justice. And that's how our system works in this country. But, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're led to believe that everything should just be fair. Everybody should be fair. And um, that's not the way the real world works. Right. Uh, prosecutors prosecute cases and defense lawyers defend cases. And if you only look at one part of the system, it can look all out of kilter. You know, it can look like, you know, that prosecutor is not being fair because he just dropped 10 counts on that indictment. And really only one of those counts is a good count. And, you know, he's just trying to gain leverage for a plea bargain. Right. Well, that's what prosecutors do. I mean, they've got a job to do. And, of course, you know, they shouldn't do unethical things or illegal things. But, I mean, they do have a job to prosecute the case, and they are trying to get what they think is a fair sentence. And it's the defense lawyer's job to fight that. And uh, that's what I do. So that's the part of the system that I'm in. I'm on the defense side. Uh, and, you know, I, I go to court and I fight against the government. And uh, that's what defense lawyers are supposed to do. I think that fits your personality better than when you were a prosecutor. Why do you say that? Because, <laughs> because what we started with is you were talking about being a contrarian and being like walk to the beat of your own drum, like that little bit right. of fight in you of like, I think that, I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying you weren't a good prosecutor or that you wouldn't be good at that as well. Right. But I think that kind of fits your personality well as far as like, I'm a, I'll stand up to anyone. I'll stand up to the man, the government, whoever it is. Right. And do the right thing or, or, or fight for this thing that I believe in. So It's very common for me to be the least popular person in the room. I mean, it's <laughs> very common. So, I mean, yes. it's something that I'm used to. You're the guy yeah. doing strict pull-ups while we're all doing kipping pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> so, there it is, full circle. Um, here's another good thing. If you, if you listen to our podcast, now you know who to call if you get in trouble. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, so, yeah, we're, we're going to stay out yeah, of trouble. Thank you. Thank you for but, the plug. But you have, you, you can call Mike. If you don't know Mike, get a hold of me. We'll get a hold of Mike. <laughs> but if you get into trouble, we got someone here. Um, anything else you want to add? I thought that was awesome. Uh, no, that's it. I mean, no. this is awesome. Thank you for, cool. for doing no, this. No, it's awesome. I'm excited. Well, can I say one more thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so um, I thought about, you know, we had this um, anniversary party. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought about some of the things you said about your background. Um, 
and and I just want to I want to tell you what it feels like from my perspective when you're coaching me, uh, and and you're in the gym coaching us. Okay. So. I feel like, and it's different than any other coach I've ever had before, because I, I feel the need to make sure, not that I'm pleasing you, but that that I'm not disappointing you. And um, the reason why I feel that way is because I feel like sometimes, I mean, you know, with your background, you know, I mean, you went to the Air Force Academy, you're very smart, you know, you're an engineer, you know, you don't fucking need to be here. You know, you don't need to be a coach. I mean, you could be doing anything you want to be doing, but this is the thing that you've chosen to do with your life. And, and this is the place you want to be. You want to be coaching these athletes and just knowing that about your personality and knowing that about your background, it makes me really feel like, you know, like, you know, if I'm here because I want to be here, you better fucking be here because you want to be here. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a reciprocal thing. Awesome. You know, no, thank you. That 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 means the world because it is. This is what I love to do, and um, I want to do it with purpose, and I want to do it with um, with mindfulness and thoughtfulness, and not and 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 help people be better. So, right. Um, thank you. That, that was, I wasn't expecting that compliment. I'm not good. At, I'm not good at accepting compliments, man. But that that was awesome. that was a really good one. I appreciate that. And um, anyway, that's the way I feel. Sometimes it's a little intimidating because it's like, oh shit! I think Matt's mad at me. You know, I I, I drop the bar on my thrusters. You know. <laughs> well, you know, there's that. Hopefully, if I do the right job coaching, there. That is a healthy part of getting more out of you, right? That expectation of like I've got to like perform to this level, and as long as I'm uh, developing the emotional bank account and letting you guys know that I don't, I care about you, and there's a reason why. Kind of like we talked about in the last podcast, is like trying to get you to the next point, trying to get you a little bit better. That's why I'm not willing to like or kind of give you that eye or be like, don't drop the damn bar or whatever it is, you know. Um, we know rep those who we love. Yep, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> right. I, if I don't know rep you or don't come up and give you a comment, it's probably because I don't give a shit. Right? I'm just like, oh, you're, you're a lost cause, right? Um, we don't do that as coaches. We're not allowed to. Even if it gets frustrating, we're not allowed Rebecca to. Rebecca no reps me on my warm-ups. Boom. <laughs> She's good at it. She's good at it. She's not afraid. Um well, this has been awesome. Thank Thanks you, for coming. Thanks for the video. We'll try more videos. I'll get a little bit. We'll we'll continue to work on our setup. You got to sign the. We'll get this. I'll get the the front off of this. this is when you've been interviewed one on one, you right. get to put your name up here on uh, the Bolt Pod logo. We might change it. Oh, Garrett. Last thing, real quick. Garrett gave me this idea as a name. The Bolt Cast. Like bolt cast, that's good. Um, he kind of liked like that. that. He thought it was cool. He thought we could make some cool imagery of that, um, and I do like that. Like bolt pod was just a placeholder, I think. And um, I mean, I kind of started to like it, but everyone was like, "Pod sounds weird." But um, so we might be changing it to the bolt cast and come up with some new uh, stuff for that. But thanks for spending your time with us, Mike. Um, appreciate you. Appreciate all of our 5 a.m. crew. 
give a shout out. Make sure you give a shout out to your your fellow Thunderbird early in the morning. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Like, comment, subscribe. Text me. Let me know if you like it. If you want more interviews, whatever you want, let me know. See you guys. Bye. All right. Hopefully, hopefully this worked. <laughs> I was like.